This is the Wellness for Vets podcast, providing information and resources to improve the wellness of the men and women serving our nation and the first responders who are serving their communities. We'll talk about exercise, nutrition, lifestyle, and alternative practices and emerging therapies for the mind, body, and spirit. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wellness for Vets podcast. Uh, just a reminder, our we do have the Wellness for Vets website up and running at wellnessforvets.info, where we'll have direct links to the podcast, uh, information, resources, handouts. Uh, there's a place in there where you can ask me a question if you want to hit the uh, contact label on there. So just go over there, pay us a visit, see if you see anything you like, feel free to shoot me a comment or whatever. You can also follow us on Instagram at wellness for vets. Uh, today on the show, joining us is Lecky Harrison, and he's bringing 16 years of experience in the emergency medical services, working as a firefighter and an EMT. And uh, this is, this is pretty exciting. I've been wanting to get somebody on here from EMS for a little while and, and now I got him. And he's going to be talking to us today about TRE, which is trauma release exercise or tension release exercise, depending on who you're asking. He's going to give us a little rundown on that and share some of his own experiences. But the reason why I'm bringing this to the table is because when I designed this show and the website and everything, it's not just for veterans. It's also for our first responders, the police, firemen, paramedics, and things like that. All right. And sometimes... I think we do a really good job at praising our veterans and, and recognizing PTSD and the military troops that deploy overseas, but it's too easy to forget about our EMS guys and gals because we see them every day and we just sort of take for granted what they're going through. And before we uh, came on the air, Lecky and I were shooting the breeze and he was telling some stories and it got me thinking. He was telling one story where he was out as a newbie on a call uh, on a rescue call dealing with someone who fell out of a tree stand. And then a little bit later, there was a, a house fire that also needed to be tended to. So while we didn't really get into too much of the details about what happened on scene, one thing that is you can take away is that basically what we call op tempo, operational tempo, whether it's a gruesome scene or, or not, just the fact that you, somebody is operating in that state of alertness for an extended period of time can take its toll on a person just as easily as witnessing a, a horrific traumatic event. Um, and, and that's why I, I always try to draw this parallel. You know, you got trauma, um, the words escaping me right now, but you know, like basically what we think of trauma, a car accident, an attack, uh, an IED attack, a gun battle, something like that. But then we also have just burnout from your brain having to operate at such a, a high state of alert and you start draining those uh, feel good chemicals and your neurotransmitters. And sometimes you just need to relax, right? You can have the same effects. Yep. Taking both of those things into consideration, like he's going to give us some tips on how we can mitigate all that problem. So now that I've been running my jib for a little while, like you welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? I got the behind the scenes look already, but uh, for the listeners, just give us a little bit of your background and then, um, you know, we'll, we'll 
jump into some TRE topics. Curves. All right. Well, I, I'm kind of an average guy, really. Um, that was the way I grew up, middle class. Uh, nothing horribly exciting, anything that happened. I mean, basically, I did what everybody did. I didn't even go to school until later, but you get out of school, you go to work, you know, so you work during the week, then you go to the weekend, and that's party time, and as you old, get older and start having kids, and it's also like, uh, wow, I don't recuperate from parties like I used to. What's going on here? And then I did take a CPR class because my uh, boss said he wanted somebody on the crew to know CPR. And so one of the local fire guys were teaching the class as part of the Red Cross. And a week later, I happened to be at the, one of the local college gyms swimming with my son, who was on the swim team. And I had my snorkel and stuff like that. And uh, one of his buddies was with him and was at the bottom of the deep end. And they, they were experimenting with stuff and one of those experiments went awry and so we had to pull him up off the bottom get him up on the edge of the pool of course the, the lifeguard was a kid and he was freaking out so I just said go call 911 and of course and thankfully the fire the guy who taught us said the first time you ever have to do CPR you're going to forget everything that's why they teach the ABC so I was like well Okay, I know he didn't hit his head, so does he, you know, A, B, C, just go through it. So I figured this guy needs air, simply put. So I started doing some rescue breathing, and I was just starting to chop chest compressions when suddenly he, you know, did what they are doing in the movies, starts spitting up water. <laughs> and, I was, and then I'm like, holy shit, this works. <laughs> and then one of the firefighters who responded was the guy who taught the class, and that's how I got out of the fire department. Otherwise, pretty much, like I said, I'm an average guy. You know, I'm not an academic by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, there you have it. I'm just your basic average guy. Oh, I forgot to mention it. Like he's coming to us from uh, Seattle, Washington, actually just outside of Seattle. But we decided to keep it simple. We would say Seattle. And uh, Sure. So, Lecky, let's go ahead and, and talk about TRE a little bit. And um, I'm, I'm going to try to break it down into little segments because I know there's, there's like a lot of, a lot of moving parts and each step is sure. pretty important, but uh, can you just sort of give us the highlights real quick. All right. Let me tell you how I got to it because that involves my career and it, that gets back to what you were saying earlier about some of that burnout. Uh, I'd been in it for 16 years. And of course, as a volunteer, we go to every call. So basically if you're involved, you got your pager on 24 seven. There's just no stopping. You, you, I mean, I was fortunate in that most of my bosses were okay about me leaving work and going to calls. Uh, I tried to mitigate that by listening to the call in 2011, and this is on my website. It was it was the, it was Christmas Day, um, in 2011. I'd just been laid off actually a couple months before, and. Christmas Day call came, and that story's on my blog. And it was one of those that every time they update dispatch, it gets worse. And the thing about working volunteers in small communities is eventually you're going to know somebody who's that call, and that's the way this was. Well, it was the straw that broke my camel's back. And uh, it involved a nine-year-old, so that was – those calls are usually tougher anyway. And when it was all said and done, I just came apart. I just, I couldn't hold it together anymore. 
didn't want to hold it together anymore. And boom, right there on the scene, everybody was in an ambulance. I, I managed to hold it together till then. But after that, I just came completely apart, walked around like a zombie. Uh, and then over the next couple of years, as I, I began to work with a nonprofit and the nonprofit was answering the question, trying to answer the question, what can we do for firefighters who don't have employee assistance programs, who don't have human resource departments, that kind of stuff. And so as we continued to search things, we developed a beta program, uh, so forth and so on. And that's when we hooked up with a Canadian firefighter who said, you guys need to learn, need to meet Dr. Berselli who created TRE. And so, well, okay, pasa. We're like, what's this? And so we, we were still investigating other aspects of what it means to heal trauma. And then we went up and saw Dr. Berselli. And of course, as a firefighter, I'm skeptical about woo-woo stuff. And so here's me sitting there, you know, kind of listening with my arms crossed, you know, just, just waiting for the woo-woo. You know, this guy's a PhD who took one of his master's degrees in Arabic and Middle Eastern languages and then went to the Middle East in the 1980s. And then, you know, and then Lebanon just went to hay in a handbasket, which is where he was. Uh, so he got intimately familiar with war, which was not on his agenda, and then got out of Lebanon, went to Sudan, and then Sudan <laughs> descended into war. So he's getting more familiar with this. And, and so then he comes home. And of course, he's got PTSD by then. Anyway, he asked some questions, just to nutshell this, and came up with a solution. And so I'm listening to the story. And then that's the first segment of our weekend with him. And I thought, well, there is nothing woo-woo about war. That's for damn sure. And, and particularly... When you're a civilian with no armor or anything else, you're just confused and scared. So then he starts teaching us these exercises, which are really some pretty benign stretches. You know, so I'm thinking, exercises, cool. We get to do some working out. And then we start this process, and I'm like, what is this? This is lame. However, you know, all of a sudden my body starts to go through a change. And I'm like, Oh, weird. What is this thing? And they thinking, okay, well, it's not woo-woo, and I did it, so I can't blame him. Oh, weird. So anyway, it's like it, it, during training, and maybe you've had this, and I don't know that the Marines go through the wall sit, where you're actually sitting with your back against the wall. Yeah, see, you're, you know what it's like. You know, put your rifle out. What does your body start to do? Jeez. All by itself. Yeah, exactly right. It's going to start shaking. And that's, in some sense, a kinesthetic tremor. Because if you get yourself off the wall, it goes away. But what Dr. Briselli, he uses that particular exercise as part of it because it's the fight-flight muscles, which he studied, to to actually kind of hack them, to trick them a little bit, into thinking that there's a, a fight-flight mechanism that needs to go off here. And so, yeah, we're in the wall sitting and watching people in the room, and, yes, yeah, yeah, some people are really starting to shake. <clears throat> and then you get down on the ground where none of your muscles are actually being required to do anything, like in the wall sit. And boy, we're still shaking. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Kinesthetic tremors means if I change it, they should stop. What the hell is going on here? Well, 
what he was after was the the concept. And Dr. Levine talks about this a lot, and that is the the the, the process of trauma is actually a stress reaction, the fight flight response, which is supposed to be a cycle. It starts and it's supposed to end. And Levine says he, he learned this watching animals. Um, and so in some of his, in fact, in his, uh, in an unspoken voice book, if you read his acknowledgments, the first thing he says is I want to give thanks to ethology because this is where I really learned a lot of my, and I was like, wow, studying animal behavior. How cool. Every mammal has this built in. And he, his, what he says is that this process of us, you know, fight flight, you know, and that, that could be being out and being deployed and somebody hears gunshots and you have to go travel among people that where well, your enemy looks just like the civilians. I mean, I'm sorry, that's the stress response. You want to fight or you need to get out of there. And so same stress response. You're just trained to a certain level to go into that. It's no different than uh, the guy or the woman whose partner is beating on him or threatening him. It's oftentimes the same response when the boss hands you a pink slip. You know, that becomes, it, whether it's perceived or not, it's a threat. And we go into the same fight flight response, which is a cycle. It has an on switch. Now it has to have a completion of that cycle, which to Dr. Levine is it resets the breathing because you and I both know the minute it gets activated, heart rate starts going really fast and the breathing gets shallow and fast. So the diaphragm is tight to disallow a deep breath. And if that cycle doesn't complete, what are we living under? We're living under the concept that we're still in a state of threat. So what Dr. Berselli did was he learned how to activate so we could self-activate this autonomic cycle ending tremor and take this accumulation of threat state and begin to clean it out of the system as it were. So it's designed to be self-induced and it's designed to be self-regulated because it's quite powerful. And trauma then is this accumulation of all these stress cycles that never got completed. They just keep getting added to, and that's what accumulates in the body. So that's why you want to self-regulate it. It's kind of, and Dr. Levine uses mixing lye and hydrochloric acid. And when you do both of them rather rapidly, it gets rather messy. Uh, it just blows up. And I learned that in chemistry class when I was told not to do that. I was like, oh, cool. Why? Whoop. <laughs> well, <laughs> I got kicked out of that class. But if you titrate them, you know, the, the little tubes and hoses and stuff like that, and the one drip goes from the one into the other, the end result, there will be a little at the, you know, when they mix together for a while, and then once they start to balance out, the end result is salt water from these two caustic chemicals. And that's the process of self-regulating. So you could actually take these, these experiences going on in the body and the brain and everything else and mix them together until they're integrated to create something that's benign. So using that process of titration and self-regulating, it allows you to discharge the stuff out of your body without it becoming a caustic explosion, which we call triggers, emotional flashbacks, flashbacks, uh, you know, hey, tell me about your worst day ever. Well, I don't want to tell you about my worst day because it triggers me. Okay. Yeah. 
you know, so that's, that's the general process that Dr. Berselli created. And so we started to learn that and not, you know, wow, this is a tool that we can give the fight, you know, ask anybody, ask a vet, you know, what do they want to do their jobs? Well, they need to look at them. They got stuff stuck all over them. It just, and firefighters don't wear the vests, which look cool, you know, but we've got really deep pockets and really big pockets. And we stuff those full of all kinds of little stuff and, you know, door wedges for jamming doors open, but also for, you know, when a sprinkler glows off, you can stick a little narrow wedge in there and hit it with your Halligan bar and stops the sprinkler and a little crap like that, you know, wire and just, you name it. Every firefighter had a different set of tools, but, you know, you take your hack, your axe, your hooligan bar, your hose, and whatever you got jammed in your pockets, and you go. We like tools. So that was the concept for us was, okay, let's train firefighters how to use this tool to start creating that relaxation you were mentioning. You know, being able to just lay down well, when you're laying there on the ground and, oh, that felt good. I mean, for me, that's nap time. <laughs> well, this was your first experience uh, doing TRE was in this training environment. Yep. Okay. Yep. We, it, was a, it was meant to be a weekend uh, experience. So a bunch of us were in this hotel and stuff. And yeah, that was my first time. And, you know, when it was all said and done, A, I felt great. Um, I was relaxed. And I'm still, getting, still laying there just going, well, that was weird because I'd never been through that before, but I did it to myself. So okay, it wasn't like anybody hypnotized me or tricked me or, and it certainly, it, it looked weird, but I couldn't say it was woo woo because then he explained all the science of it throughout the day. And then when I started reading Peter Levine and doc, you know, I got a list of people I've read uh, cause I've been studying this now for seven years you know, it's, it's, you know, animals do this all. Ask any firefighter who's got a dog, what does your dog do on the 4th of July? It's exactly what we're dealing with, an autonomic tremor. And it happens, uh, I was just listen, uh, thinking about the song by The Who, um, and it's called I Got the Shakes. Well, you know, he's the lyrics, are, you know, there's nothing horrible about the lyrics because he says, well, you're moving mighty close to me. I swear I get the shakes all over me. Hello. You know, it's a natural occurring human phenomena. So it's, it's it's so funny that you mentioned the Who because they're they're one of my favorite bands. In fact, they're they're, they're the reason I started playing the guitar. And just a couple of days ago, me and my girlfriend were having a conversation about the uh, the Apollo Neuro device, and and this is totally off topic, but it deals with <laughs> and. We were talking about, you know, using technology and, and, you know, relieving stress and whatnot. Next thing I know, plus I drank a lot of coffee that morning, I was giving her the breakdown of, of the rock opera Tommy, how he was deaf, dumb, and blind, and he just got by a vibration. And I was like, you know what? This is interesting because we listened to an interview with the guy who invented this device, and he was saying how him and all his buddies were musicians. And I was like, man, look at connecting the dots. But anyway, <laughs> there's the... A connection for the who there, which is interesting because when we talk about TRE, it also involves vibrating at a much more high level. But I yep. do want to go back to uh, what you mentioned in the beginning, how you how you ended up here with the uh, the nine year old, um, you know, and and you had said everybody's on the ambulance, you had to do your job, and then that, and and it really takes me back to my my first 
real gun battle in 2004. I mean, in 2003, when we went into Iraq, my unit got off pretty good. I mean, yeah, we saw some combat, but there wasn't a whole lot of trigger pulling. I mean, the Iraqi army pretty much gave up right away uh, where we were at anyway. But then once the insurgency started, that was a whole different story. And I remember the first gun battle that we were in and we lost quite a few people. Uh, it was chaos, but there was, and, and there was still work to be done. You know, we like when we were trying to recover bodies and things, um, there was a lot of standing around people trying to send reports up back to headquarters. And I was the guy that was, I was like, everybody shut the fuck up and go find a place to get down and provide cover. You know, this area is not safe. And oh, yeah. one of the guys in charge was like, Hey, he's right. This area is not safe. Everybody get out of the way. Uh, but I mentioned that because, you know, we had lost some people and, and it was very uh, emotional to the guys. And I had to be the guy that's like, Hey, we don't have time to think about this right now. We have to keep on pushing. Yeah. yeah. But then eventually that the sun's going to go down and that day's going to come to an end. And you have to unload that baggage, whether it's that night, a week later, to and unfortunately for some people, it's years later, and then they have to deal with everything in between. Uh, but what we're talking about with the TRE is getting yourself into um, the tremors, and also like when you had mentioned with the pink slip and and the physiological response. This isn't just a matter of being like, oh, I'm I'm getting laid off, or oh something bad happened. I mean, we're talking about the level where everything kicks in and you no joke, anybody that's been in the situation, you start vibrating. I mean, normally we just write it off as an adrenaline rush, but there's a little bit more to it than that. And that's the, uh, let me know if I'm speaking out of school, but that's part of the reason for inducing the tremors is to mimic that by that vibration and, and get it out of there. Exactly. When, because when you're under that stress response, you're, it wants to complete that cycle. So, hey, yeah. And I used to do that when I was on fire calls. I mean, I spent, I had about a year, year and a half maybe, uh, between the time I started learning tremoring and when I retired. Actually, almost two years. So. I realized sometimes at some calls that my body, especially bad accidents, that my body would start tremoring even while I was working. So I knew the energy level was up, and of course I can't stop. Uh, so I knew I'd go back to the station later and just lay down on the floor and start tremoring. So yes, when that, that vibration is going to happen, and that that's the, there's a sense of helplessness, and oftentimes people say, that that's where trauma intersects is the, the, the sense of fight flight is really, really high. So there's a lot of fear and I'm sorry, if, if somebody's shooting at me, I'm going to be scared. Um, and you know, if I can't even tell really what they look like, I'm going to be scared even more, but having that, okay, I can't leave. I still need to collect bodies. There's that sense of helplessness. What, what, you know, what do I do when the body wants fight or flight and you're just standing there, regardless of whether you're under orders or not, you are doing exactly the opposite. What your neurology is screaming for either get the hell out of Dodge or fight back. And I, I get, you're waiting for a plan. You have to come up with a plan to execute a plan. 
So you're waiting for that. But in the meantime, you're doing everything that your body, and that's where that energy starts to build because it's contained now. It's being held in. And, yeah, you'll feel it while you're sitting there, while you're standing there. Um, you know, your, your, your hands can start shaking. Your voice can start shaking. Uh, you'll see if you're holding a cup of coffee, you're getting a drink of water. doesn't matter. It starts to happen. And then it boils up in tears that we try to suppress. And Yeah, if you're under fire, there's a lot of things you got to suppress. But I noticed the same thing that, wow, okay, that was a call. I didn't like that one, so I'm going back to the fire station. I, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's your tent, divisional headquarters, just lay down and let us start. Of course, you want to learn how to do that, but that's, yeah, you're exactly right. That vibration and energy do get up. And now we want to discharge that. So, and it's the same way with the guy whose girlfriend slides up close, you know, oh, I'm getting the shakes here. Well, you want to be able to dissipate that. And part of that is just letting it happen. You know, yeah, okay, you don't have to go back to, you know, you know, hey, Sarge, you know, I know we're under fire, but I'm going to go back and tremor. You know, that ain't going to happen. <clears throat> but when you get home, you get out of where your home is, and I like what you said about not safe. The, the, the real beautiful aspect of tremoring is when you get back to a place where it is safe, you then can allow that energy just to come out. And maybe for guys who are deployed and really don't have a safe place that's really, really safe, like thousands of miles away, and if they don't quite have that knowledge yet of how to self-induce that, maybe if they just lay down and just allow what happened to bubble to the surface, allow the tears to be there, and allow their body just to shake a little bit, that will help bring that level of, okay, I am now safe. I'm home. I made it. Some of these guys did not. And that begins that discharge process, which still needs to be self-regulated. But, you know, I, I like to work with people where they're at. And that's kind of fluid in a lot of situations and more so with veterans, especially, especially if they're still deployed. So let me, let me ask you this. Um, and I'm, I'm over here metaphorically kicking myself in the head because I, I should have printed this thing off and I didn't. Um, there was a, a study done not too long ago. I want to say 2010, but I don't even know if it was that long ago. And, and, um, you're probably familiar with it uh, about the the rate of suicide amongst first responders. Are you familiar with that one? And uh, yes. So what what it makes me think of is that I know in like a, you know police departments or, or firehouses they, they usually got some weights laying around. But I was wondering if maybe you could uh, explain what the, what a different. I think I have an idea, but I want to hear it from you. What a difference might be when when you come back from a, a pretty traumatic call. You know, what would be the difference between actually engaging in some TRE versus just being like, I'm going to go lift the weights? Well, that's a very, very good question. And I will point out that lifting the weights is a, not actually a bad idea. And here's why. Fight flight creates all kinds of energy. So to the and this is my speculation, I haven't done any discussion with Dr. Baselli or Dr. Levine about this yet. This is my speculation over my seven years of observation. So the fight-flight response, the threat response, wants a physical engagement of fighting or fleeing. 
To the extent that we don't do that, that energy is still there in the body. So to the extent that we don't do that, that means that the tremoring required to dissipate it, to discharge it from the body, will be greater. So to use an example that Peter Levine refers to a lot, and that's a wild animal, um, you know, it's the wild animal is being chased at really high speeds, you know. And so let's just say that the leopard or whatever's chasing him manages to take him down briefly. Uh, he's still exerting a lot of energy. And that energy actually got cut off by him getting taken down. I've got a video on the website about it. It's pretty cool. However, to, to the extent, and when you come home from the call and, you know, and maybe you're that cop who was, you know, kind of parked behind his car, had his gun out, but never got engaged with anybody, you still have all that energy. So going into the weights or, you know, if you got a heavy bag, wow, kicking and hitting, uh, making sure you're doing it right so you don't break anything, as I've seen in my self-defense classes. So the that will actually help discharge that fight or flight energy that's there. It will not complete the cycle, though. You still want to do, because there wants to be a breathing reset, because if you're still exercising the fight flight, you still have a constricted diaphragm. You've got a higher heart rate, and that's what wants to come back to normal. And so in the animal world, there's a breathing reset that happens. And in that video, you'll see that uh, with the Impala. The first thing that begins to happen is the breathing reset with the body starts to take over. And it wants to find that place where, (sighs) you know, you take that last inhale and you're done. And then with that, what could be a little bit of tremoring. Now you see it with the Impala because the Impala was inter- interrupted uh, in his pers- in his fleeing. To the extent that he got away, that might have just, and I think some of us have been through some of those things where something was close and we just go, and it's all over in a second. But the, the body does this, and then it's all done. That's it. So there is a benefit to doing that, but you still want to complete that cycle because this is this is the antiquity of our hardwiring, and that is that the reset of the breathing and the the tremor discharge is actually the function that's inherent in us to complete those cycles. Because once you complete the cycle, it is no longer going to be in your body or in your psychology. Because what's happened otherwise is how memory treats it, so forth and so on. But that's what makes up for a traumatized mess versus, ah, I got rid of that. Good. So I love the question because there is benefit to burning that energy off. And then still, you know, you're doing this kind of after a good hard workout or in the midst of a good hard workout. I start to feel my body wanting to tremor. And so I just lay down on the mats when I'm done and say, okay, let's get rid of this energy. That's just what I was going to say, and I, I love the point that you made. I mean, you can put that energy to good use, but you, you haven't turned it. I know when I when I do a good workout, like I come out of the gym, I'm like Rocky, you know, and it's funny because I, I know if, if I'm over there killing it on some deadlifts, I either want to fight or do something else because I'm just like, ah. and, and yeah, good workout's going to make me vibrate, but it's not the release. I, I put the energy to use, but I haven't turned it off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. There you I go. like that point you made. 
And then I want to go back to something you had mentioned earlier about, you know, laying on the floor and, and crying, you know, going back to the place and crying. Now, sure. I would say I, I've only done TRE once since I first learned about it. Um, and it was it was interesting because I thought it was like, OK, whatever. This is this is some weird, weird stuff. I mean, over the past <laughs> year and a half, I've tried all kind of weird stuff. You know, I, I've had leeches hanging off of me for no reason and, you know, doing TRE and doing electric muscle stimulation just for the heck of it. But when I did the TRE, you know, the other things, it seemed like there was an obvious physical benefit. The TRE, I wasn't so sure. And when I went through it, like I started to laugh. I got the giggles because like, <laughs> by the time I got to this point where like, I, I, if I'm trying to remember correctly, my feet were together and my knees were lowered to the ground. And I was sure. kind of like, sort of in a, um, kind of like if you do a groin stretch, except for I was laying down anyway, but I started laughing just because I, I felt something where it was like, I had never been so in tune with my own body. It was almost like a new experience. Mm. So I started to laugh. Yeah. yeah. Isn't the case for everybody though, for some people, it can be very emotional and, and yep. there can be a lot of crying and maybe even some screaming involved. And, and so I've heard, you know, if, if you were like, for me, I was doing it for fun. I was doing it to try it out. It was available. Sure. I wanted to see what it was all about. But if you know ahead of time that you're going to practice TRE because of a incident, um, what, what are your recommendations on doing it by yourself? Uh, well, it, to a practitioner. Technically it was created for people. Cause remember Dr. Baselli came back from the middle East, uh, you know, the guy's a PhD in social work. So he, his his background was in clinical counseling. And, you know, he realized after a year of basic talk therapy and medications that this wasn't working. And he kept thinking about, you know, I was in places where people, especially in Sudan, he said, those people, some of those people have no concept of what talk therapy even is. So... And if they had anything like that that was available, boy, you had to walk a long way to find it. And he says, it's completely impractical, but he says, so how are these people supposed to heal? Now, so he created this with the idea in mind that once you've learned how to do this, it, you are on your own. And I think TRE needed to change and, and do some updating was, if you're dealing with things that are deep-seated, like developmental trauma and things like, or even just war trauma, the, the presence of somebody else is really beneficial. And he, I'll give you an example. The first guy I trained who was a Marine um, was in, deployed, I think, about the same time you were. And uh, he was, he never saw action. You know, they did their patrols and stuff like that. And he said, I never saw it. But while he was, the first time he was tremoring, and like I said, he had his feet together and a couple inches off the ground. And that was where he tremored to begin with. But his trigger finger was going like mad. And I noticed it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I, I keep people in the room so they don't trip off into dissociation and triggers. And I didn't want to say anything to him. So I just waited until it was all over because he was present. And so I kept asking him, how are you doing? You know, he's doing okay. And where, where it 
came out later was I asked him later. I said, well, you know, when you're deployed, did you ever see action? He said no. And I thought, well, that's interesting because your trigger finger would have said otherwise. But I could, but then I started thinking about it and putting myself in his shoes about what it's like to go out into a place where, hey, for the most part, you're maybe not even welcome here. Or maybe you're an invader, for God's sake. And you don't know who the enemy really is because it's not like they're wearing, you know, the uniform of a uh, soldier like we do. So your finger is all is always thinking it needs to be on the trigger. That's where you want it. But you also know that, boy, if I do that, there's a good chance I might shoot myself or my buddy in the foot. And, you know, that's going to look good for the sergeant and the lieutenant and everybody else. So, you know, you, your finger has got that constant pressure going of wanting to move. And, you know, who's that guy over there? Or who's that woman? Or does that kid have a bomb? I mean, yeah, your finger has that tension. And so that's the advantage of a provider. Now, when you're in those situations where you don't have that, give yourself a time. I'm going to do this for five minutes. And maybe if that emotion comes out, you know, you just, okay, if you want to cry and scream, do that for five minutes. Once the timer goes off, you just say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to self-regulate this thing. And maybe it didn't all come out, but that's okay. Because we've had people in class that I've taught and, you know, we tell them, go home and don't do anything. You know, definitely don't go tremor because you'll get a you'll get a tremor hangover, and those can be very unpleasant uh, because it does things to you physiologically. But you don't want to allow just all your memories to come up. Your body's been suppressing them for a good reason, so you want to be able to polish those stones so you can. And this goes back to how memory is stored in trauma versus normal life. So, yeah, if you're in a position where that your body is shaking and you can just give yourself, here's the self-regulation timing until you learn how to do it better. Just give yourself a couple of minutes to do it. And if you want to let the emotion out, let the emotion out because, and this is my speculation again, where you're focused around a particular event. Okay. Like you were just saying, you're, you're in a situation, there's confusion. You need bodies picked up. You're still under fire, for God's sake. It's not safe. There, there's your, I hate to use the word psychological because it contains more than that. Your body's involved. Your body's attached to that. Your feelings are attached to that. Everything. Your belief systems are, but use that as your container. Say, okay, this really frustrated me. This scared me. I'm going to let it out. Let your body shake. Let the tears come. Let the screaming happen. But just give it a couple of minutes and then say, okay, I'm done with that. Not that necessarily your body has completed that, but it allow it doesn't, that's how you learn how to do it so that in the future, when an event, just remember that titration I was talking about. If you start titrating too fast, then all of a sudden it starts to become boiling again. And what we're trying to avoid is that because that's caustic stuff getting all over the place. And there's kind of a saying with, PTSD that, you know, it wasn't a wound that I created, but I'm bleeding all over everybody because that's how my behavior is. Right. You know, okay, we're, we're taking care of that wound. We're going to take the bandages off. We're going to clean it, but then we're going to bandage it up again so it's not visible, so it's not bleeding all over everybody. That's kind of the essence of taking those short little time periods where you can, and that's what the provider is there for is partly to watch, I get to watch your body because it might do things that you're not even aware of. 
And I might just say, okay, let's call that good. And we'll just shut that session off. And then we continue to do that so that your self-awareness can rise up. And if all of a sudden these overwhelming emotions start coming back or memories, you can say, okay, I'm done for now because that was what Dr. Berselli was after. Because if you can actually achieve the discharge without including a lot of the emotional intensity that goes with it, you're still discharging. That's the point. And then as you do this little by little by little, the snowball begins to do its own thing where you can actually discharge the stuff without having to recall it, remember it, talk about it, or having that emotional intensity. Where I make a little bit of room for that is, I'm sorry, if you're deployed and you're laying in your bed and you want to cry, hey, do a little shake and do the crying, man. I know that, you know, you know, firefighters aren't down with a lot of that, neither are cops, but man, if you want to do it, do it, because that's, that's part of the release. That's part of the release is getting that emotional expression to come out. It doesn't make you less of a man. doesn't make you – in fact, I would say not only does it make you more of a man, it's going to make you more effective as either a soldier or an emergency responder. And I could go into more on that, how that works, but I won't do that now. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Actually, I got like – Two overlapping questions. One, I'm, I'm going to try to summarize it. So if I'm on point, you can just give me a, a wave and I'll move on. But um, with, the, with the TRE exercises. So this is like something you can do all the time. It's not like, okay, I'm going to do TRE and, until I'm over this one situation and call myself healed. I mean, this is about, well, releasing and then turning off that energy. And, and you're going to go through these periods throughout your life, you know, whether – it was a really bad car wreck that you got called to a really bad firefight that you had, you know, a long time ago. It's not just about those incidents. It's about just dealing with life's everyday stress that we all take in and, and gets bottled up. And if you don't let that out, sure. you're, you're going to be stuck. So which goes to the next point is by doing TRE and, and, you know, if necessary, you know, whether you're giggling like I was or you're crying and screaming and tremoring, um, like what does this do physiologically? Like if we start thinking about chronic pain, because what the problem actually is, is we're, we're full of stress and we're constantly, our muscles are constantly tightened up, which is ultimately going to pull on bones and it's just a whole waterfall effect. In fact, I read something not too long ago about the psoas muscle being really affected by uh, holding in too much stress. Yep, yep. This, this, and that's where some of the exercises that Dr. Bracelli came up with are partially to work with that psoas muscle. So those are actually two very, very good questions. So I'll start with the physiological one first. What does it do physiologically? Um, it's all of you gets involved with the stress response. So once the midbrain gets that message that there's a threat here, the brainstem goes into action and a million things happen in your body all at once. And so the heart rate, we've already discussed the heart rate, the breathing, the endocrine system changes, the myofascial system changes, your vision changes, your hearing changes, constriction in your throat shuts off your immune system, shuts off your digestive system, shuts off your reproductive system. 
all of these things happen almost instantly. It just takes a couple of seconds. So what that does over time as that becomes chronic is it starts to create issues. Well, look at old, old people's postures. Uh, and this is what Tom Han- Thomas Hanna did back in the 80s when he was working with somatics. He was looking at postures of people and saying, wait a minute, maybe this is a stress response. Maybe this isn't old age at all. And that's how he created his somatics was to counter that posturing. He's got some interesting stretches, that's for sure. But I happen to practice them and I like them a lot. So what it does was physiologically is a huge, you and I could spend the next two hours just talking about that alone. What tremoring does is it begins to allow a, and I've had this, where people start tremoring and all of a sudden they throw up. And that's because now all of a sudden for the first time, their stomach's getting the message that it's okay to go back to what we normally call homeostasis. But really the word stasis means liquid not moving. You don't want that. I'm sorry. Liquid not moving means, A, I have none left, or B, I'm dead, and both go together. I call it idiodynamic balance because your balance, you know, what's balanced for you is different for me. But it starts to give the body the message that, A, it's safe, which is the first time that's ever happened in maybe decades. For me, it was close to 58 years. And so my body can, you know, the immune system can come back online, the reproductive system, the digestive system. Now my endocrine system, which has been dumping adrenaline and cortisol, has now begun to affect actual brain regions in their size. That can come back to normal again. Some of the other stuff that got shut off, interestingly enough, because the heart rate is doing this kind of thing, the, the brain stem shunts blood from the prefrontal cortex. And that's called hypofrontality. And then we start to atrophy because the, the life now is concerned not about learning or anything else. It's about responding to life as a threat. So physiologically, this begins to reverse itself. Okay, so a lot of people's illnesses, the, the chronic tension, the chronic low back pain, like you're saying with the psoas muscle, when that, that curling up, that's the psoas muscle. It's the only muscle that connects your top half to your bottom half. So that slides through the girdle and connects the legs to your spine. The top of the psoas muscle connects that lumbar 12, I believe it is, and that's where the diaphragm connects to that same lumbar. So learning how to relax that will actually be able to teach your body how to actually physically relax. Wow, I can actually do this thing. And so that's what it does physiologically. Now, can we do this all the time? I still do it, partly because... The stress response in in our antiquity, what you mean? There was no chronic stress. The world didn't exist that way, and so our neurology is not meant to live with chronic stress. It's meant to live with acute stress, and that's the the occasional. Oh wow, we got a mastodon, and all of a sudden here comes five or six saber tooth tigers. We're thinking, cool, we got a meal, and we're thinking, oh my god, now I have to fight with these guys. Oh. Or, uh-oh, there's one of me, and I got an Impala, and there's two of them. I'm just going to get out of here, or I'm going to be lunch. And as Dr. Sapolsky would say, 
either it's over or you're over. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I adopted that in a different manner. But anyway, that's how life was meant to be. And as time went on, the world changed, and now stress is a chronic issue. So can we do this all the time? There's two things I'm going to say to that. One is, yes, just to dump stress that we don't do in the moment. You know, I go through my workday like everybody else. Something might happen. I might, you know, I can respond to it better than I used to. But if it stresses me out, I still don't want to complete that cycle. Second of all, I think that tremoring will eventually move you out of healing into growing. And there, the world has no end. Oh, it is phenomenal. Now, I would say that in terms of emotions and spirituality and cognition, there's just there's, there's no limits that I'm aware of. Uh, other than, and I can't say that the actual neurons are encaged in something and, and can't get out. <clears throat> um, that seems to be physiologically true. Yeah, we have a body that ages, but I think it's capable of healing itself to a great degree to becoming more closer to fit than we've ever experienced before in our lives, emotionally, socially, all of those out become absolutely limitless. We can have a life that we never dreamed possible just because we continue to tremor. I still, I mean, and we find it's, it's like, yeah, Okay, the girl slides over close. I start to get the shakes. Hey, that's a positive environment. I'm good with that. That just means the energy is up. Cool. Okay, I live with that. I work with that. Um, I can enjoy that. But because I've tremored and gotten rid of a lot of the baggage, I'm now in a position where I can respond to this more beneficially for me. And so I have the same thing in social relationships. My emotions now, which were confined by my trauma to the fight flight field, um, wow, all of a sudden now I, I can learn. And, I've, and I haven't got, this is the stuff I don't have on my website yet, but the toolbox that I created focuses around these six intelligences that begin to expand and open up as we discharge and complete these cycles and heal trauma. All of the stuff is inherent and it begins to unfold. And if you haven't lived that way, damn, I'm telling you, it's, it's really exciting. <laughs> it is the bee's knees. And that's partly where my program was born out of was my experience because I started to see things. And I was like, oh, and I said, and I, I love what you said earlier about, you know, being in tune with your own body, because that's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. And by the way, I, I think the name Seamus is a really cool name. It just, it, it sounds like an Irish version of James, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so having this, this reconnection to your body and learning what your body is saying to you is where it all starts. And then all of a sudden the emotions start getting involved. And then all of a sudden, because blood's coming back to the cognition, you, wow. Well, what if we do this instead? You know, you're thinking thoughts you haven't thought in who knows how long. And as people begin to heal, yeah, relationships is, is crucified by PTSD. So now suddenly this is coming back online. And yeah, there's risk-taking, but there's capacity to actually take that risk. Um, and 
there's an interesting book, Achilles in Vietnam, where he talks about the moral wound that soldiers go through. And to me, that's a, the hugest part of the, of the spiritual change that occurs because, boy, belief systems can get shot full of holes to quite literally and figuratively. And so being able to come back to face these bigger questions without completely falling apart, all of that becomes, I mean, and, and, you know, hey, the universe is a darn big place and we learn all kinds of weird stuff about it. We just go, what does that all mean? And ah, hard to say, isn't it? And that's okay. I'm, I am comfortable with those bigger questions. I love looking at them. I like thinking about the thinking process that went into that. It's just like, whatever possessed you to think that? It's like David Berselli's question was, can I self-induce this tremoring? That was his only original insight because everything else was based on what A, he observed in others, but B, what's happened for thousands and thousands and thousands of years in human beings. The only real question, and Levine faced it. The only question Dr. Brasilli had was, can I self-induce this? And the cool thing was he pursued it. I'm so happy. Anyway, (laughs) having these abilities then to go into these different intelligences and begin to expand them. And then for like what you're doing with, and I call this environmental, and I've, I've created definitions for all of these. What are you doing in this world? Now, purpose, people would say, is part of your spirituality, but how do I exist in my environment? I mean, I look at your walls, which have a, a cool color. You know, it's, it's kind of a, I mean, look at my walls. They're white. I don't own these walls, and if I did, they might be different colors. But, you know, everything else is kind of me. Your environment reflects who you are. And if you're a jumbled, scrambled up, wounded mess, guess what your environment's going to look like? Yeah. That's exactly, dumb. right? Or it's either going to be a dump or it's going to be fastidious, better than a hotel room because of your OCD. Because you don't want to be reminded of your pain. But as we begin to expand, we can express ourselves not only in the space we live in, but in the world we live in. So you're doing this work for vets and for emergency responders. Because now you're getting beyond your own shell, which includes your body, but then the space that you live in. Now you're in the bigger world. And now we're facing bigger world questions but we're available to engage in and debate with those questions because now we have something that's occurred, a growth that's incurred within us just because we started a tremor. So when I say it's a hugely powerful tool, that's why. That's been my experience. And I'm just an average guy. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. That's deep, my man. I love it. I love it. I had a question come to me while you were talking, and this wasn't a question that I was prepared to ask, but I think it's a pretty simple one. Um, Because I am currently studying sports and exercise science, to your knowledge, is there any studies, and I think the principles would be the same, but is there any uh, studies or or indications of uh, using TRE to enhance athletic performance? And, and when I think of that, I could also flip that around and just say, you know, even increase the performance of, you know, the firemen, the troops, the policemen, you know, whether it's getting up the ladder faster or anything like that. There is, there's a Dr. Uh, Salomon, and I believe she might be retired now, but 
when she got into TRE, that became her focus, actually, was working with South African athletes to, and I'll, I'll look that information up because I think she had done some studies. Uh, they would have been small, but she worked with athletes to increase their performance, and she worked with athletes to decrease the amount of time it took to recover. Hmm. Interesting. Because tremoring, being a physiological process, helps the body come back to its dynamic balance. So there is that. Um, and as I said, I, I think for the fact that it's so physiological, which means that stress and trauma for the most part are, there is a, it, it aids in that. So firefighters and police officers would benefit from that physiologically because as you get back in touch with your body, there are certain things that are going to happen. So I'll use my story. Um, yeah, that was the first connection I made uh, was actually feeling various parts of my body, which still fascinate me when, when my legs are tremoring and I can feel all the different muscles all doing different kinds of tremors at the same time. That was new to me. Um, so one of the things that occurred to me as I continued to tremor, my body started to say, I want to move. I need to be moving more than I'm moving. So, you know, I was walking a lot, uh, but it wanted more. It, I needed cardio. That's what I, I knew. Is it needed cardiovascular exercise. And that was how I got in the Krav Maga. I, getting into Krav Maga for cardiovascular. <laughs> Who knew? I had no idea what I was doing. And boy, did I pay the price for that one. So, and then as I continued to grow into that, I began to grow into and that was what got me involved with Hannah Somatics because phys being physical is going to create tension. You know, if you're just doing muscle lifting, you're creating a lot of tension in your body, um, which if that's your goal, that's fine. You still want to be able to have a degree of flexibility. And now because of my age, I'm into more functional fitness and functional flexibility. So I operate quite differently. Uh, when I create the tension, then I want to move. I want to be able to move flexibly. I want to be able to work with my uh, fascia, and I want to work with my muscles equally. And so I hear this from my own body because I start to get the aches and pains and think, okay, what, what am I needing to learn or not? What do I not know? <clears throat> and what can I do to return this to a better place of balance. Uh, so I think that tremoring in that regard helps the body return to balance. And then your body will have certain symptoms, will it not, when it needs um, electrolytes. Yeah. We're aware of that. You know, that's why they give them to us. If we don't, we have a hard crash. And we say, oh, I got headaches, I got cramps, I got this, I got Okay, you need electrolytes. So... This body awareness begins to spring up, and then, you know, you're working out hard, and you realize, wow, I've been working out for an hour. I haven't had a drink of water yet. <laughs> Get a drink of water. But all, that's, all that means is that you began to sense more of your body messages, which they call enteroception, because you got in touch with it to begin with. So, yeah, I really think this would be a great boon to any athlete, any firefighter, just from a physiological point of view, uh, any veteran, to be in touch with your body. 
it's, I mean, I knew it when I would go to calls and, you know, I got to squeeze myself into the back window of a vehicle that's upside down and there's people in there that are wounded that need to be extricated and my body started tremoring. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My body is in a dangerous situation that doesn't particularly like being there, but how am I going to solve these problems that are facing me and help these people get out of this? Yeah, my body started to tremor. I couldn't do anything then. I mean, I certainly got I can tell the people, hey, wait a minute, a couple of minutes. You know, hey, we're well, all tremor together while you're hanging upside down by your seatbelt. <clears throat> you know, I go back later and I take care of that need, but it's because I was aware of my own body that I could actually feel where my feet were, what they needed to get traction on so I could keep myself, you know, on the roof of this car upside down and, and oh, okay, everything's upside down here. How do I orient myself? You know, I, I have a better sense of doing that because I had a better sense of where my body was in space and time. So, yeah, I really think there's a, a great benefit. Like, I'll, I'll tell you, this, this, is, this has been great. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking with you, and I can see the excitement. <laughs> I can see you get really excited talking about this stuff. Um, oh, yeah. But I, I want to take uh, just a couple minutes. I want to talk about you because I apologize. <laughs> I totally forgot to mention your website uh, earlier on. So, yeah, please share share a little bit about your, your website, your practice, uh, if you're doing anything online. Cool. Good, great question. Thank you very much. Um, because I would otherwise just walk away from this going, wow, that was a great conversation because your questions are excellent questions. Thank you. Um, the website is www.raiseyourresilience.com. Um, and some of the stuff I've talked about with these six intelligences isn't on there yet uh, because this is the changing of the toolbox. Um, but a great way to contact me is through the website via email. And then I have Raise Your Resilience Facebook business page. I do have a group page, which is different. Um, and I post there a lot. And then I'll do live videos there. And oftentimes my marketing is primarily done there. I'll, I'll do, I got a launch coming up where I'll be talking about these six intelligences relative to healing trauma. And I do those live videos there. Uh, I don't do pre-recorded stuff. Um, I, I think there's, there, there's value for me to see your face and there's value to me to hear your voice. Uh, and I think that's equal. And, and this is how humans are wired to work. So, I, I mean, that's the best places to follow. I do have a LinkedIn presence. Um, uh, I, have, I have a business page there, but I, I'm not the best at social media. <laughs> and part of that's because I grew up and sort of learning these things and going, oh, wow, you know, because when I was a kid, cell phone, there was no such thing. The very first computer I saw in high school took up a – a whole classroom, former classroom that they had to turn into a, a space for the computer. And, you know, you had to put punch cards in. I mean, there's, oh, there was no graphical inner interface, no Zoom, no anything. It was just like, so, you know, it was all space agey stuff that was never going to apply to me. And here we are. Yay. So anyway, um, my personal page on LinkedIn, Lucky Harrison, is probably a better source uh, I then post, I do have a Raise Your Resilience business page there, and I'm trying to get better at using it and spreading stuff around. And that's my primary presence on 
I mean, I have an Instagram personal page, but I don't even remember the handle on that. Um, I'm still learning some of the things in terms of marketing and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, part of me says, okay, well, I, I am where the, the masses are seemingly. So I'll work with that for now. And someday that may go away. But, but on the other I hand, I will tell you, uh, Lecky's um, Raise Your Resilience page is, is a very, a very nice page. If you want to learn more about TRE or some specific questions, he has a a great frequently asked question page. I told him in the beginning, I said, I might just pull some of these questions off of here, but we, we had such good chemistry. I didn't need to go to my plan B. So um, yeah. this, is, this has been a lot of fun. You know, I, I wish everybody one of these days I'm going to get around to being able to put the videos up, but uh if, if you guys could see the excitement on Lecky's face when he's talking about TRE, it's, it's priceless, man. I, I really dig it. And uh, I, I'm really happy that you came on and we were able to do this. Uh, I am, I am too, James. It's, it, it is, it, it's, it's been such a change in my life from the way I used to live my life and what I've been through from my childhood on that I can't help but be excited about it. People do not, I mean, there's a great phrase in a, it's a sentence actually, you know, a really short one in Peter Levine's book, Healing Trauma, and that is that trauma is not a life sentence. If we're living that way, that just simply means we're using the wrong tools or we want to keep it that way. And, and there's reasons why people do that, but it isn't a life sentence. And once you've been liberated, whoa, baby. <laughs> Amen. Lecky, it's been great talking to you. Um, I will have links to his website and uh, Facebook pages and, and maybe some of the books that he mentioned in the show notes. It's been great talking to you, man. And uh, we might do this again in, in a few months or something. Maybe I'll get a little bit more practice under my belt or I get some feedback from the, the guys out in the field and let you know how it's working cool. out. Cool. I'd be glad, more than happy to. And if you need questions while you're practicing, let me know. I'll be able to talk with you through them and help you out as much as I can. All right. Lucky Harrison, everybody. You've reached the end of another episode of the Wellness for Vets podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Anchor FM, and Google Podcast. You can also head over to our website, wellnessforvets.info, to gain access to show notes, resources, and ways to connect with me on social media. I'd also appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us reach more people. Until next time, thank you.